Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's just open to the book of Philippians. And I'd like for us to just look at uh, two verses uh, tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Uh, This is not new uh, scripture for us, something we've been through uh, on more than one occasion, but uh, just uh, felt impressed that we should uh, spend a little time here tonight. And so let's just read 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure." Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And we could keep reading there, but uh, certainly verse 15 should be a goal, a desire for each of us to be blameless and harmless, to be uh, lights uh Um, the sons of God without rebuke, the Bible says, in a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now, this, this is what we're supposed to do. But how do we get there? Well, verse 12 tells us that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if uh, we were part of the group of those who believe that your salvation is something you have to earn, something you have to uh, work for and labor for, then then you would take this passage in an entirely different light than that the Apostle Paul intended. Uh, we know that uh, that's not true because even the context tells us it is God that's doing the will. It's God that's doing the work. And, and he says that we're to work out our salvation. Now, that does not mean that we're trying to make a deal with God. We're trying to get to a point to where we will have salvation. Because how do you get saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Not not uh, put on a track to salvation, or maybe you'll be saved if you do enough. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thy house is the rest of the verse. Anybody in your house that's old enough to believe can get saved the same way you can, Mr. Jailer, in Philippi. Uh, Paul told the Romans that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So, obviously, the Apostle Paul is not talking about working towards or to salvation. He is telling us that our salvation ought to be working. If you have salvation, it ought to work. Now, how does this happen? 
Well, let's go back to verse 12. And that first word there is wherefore. Now, anytime you see wherefore, hitherto, uh, these kind of conjunctions in the Bible, you know that Paul is basing this point upon a previously delineated truth. Uh, and we start in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each, each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, here's what Paul's saying. Because you can have the same mind that Jesus had. Now, how was that mind manifested? Well, it was manifested, that mind was, that he was in the form of God. He did not feel it robbery to make himself equal with God. He did not shy away from telling the Pharisees and the scribes and uh, very clearly in John chapter 9, the blind man, he said, I am the Son of God. And, and the, uh, uh, the, the man fell down immediately and worshipped Jesus. But, let's finish here, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, here is the wherefore. The wherefore to what Paul was saying is that we ought not be doing anything through strife or vainglory. There ought to be a unity here, a desire to serve Christ and to have the mind that Christ had that he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Now, a question some people like to ask here is, how could Jesus, who is God, be any more obedient than he is because he is God? And the very simple answer to that is, Jesus still had to go through the act of suffering and dying on the cross. Because as taking on the form of a servant, as a man... He entered into a realm that all of us are very familiar with. It's called time. 
And God had to fulfill those acts in time. Uh, the, the Bible tells us in the fullness of time. In, in the book of Ephesians, I believe it is. And so we have to understand that the mind of Christ is humbling ourselves and being obedient. Now, you, praise God, you and I, we don't have to do what Jesus did. He is the one that paid the price for our sins. Can we say amen to that? But there are still things in this book called the Bible we're supposed to be obedient to. Amen? And that's where Paul picks up. He says, not as in my presence only. I mean... One of the things that I was so glad, and I actually thought about this on on Sunday, especially as uh, I was preaching there in Springfield, Missouri, and I thought about uh, uh, Brother Jason driving out to Riverhead and, and taking care of the services out there, and Andrew and everyone who was doing extra duty here, and and that everything was going on really just as if I were here. Just different people doing different things. And honestly, that's what Paul's talking about here, is it not? He's saying, not in my presence only, but so much more. When I am absent, he says, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, God is the one that is working And if we will be obedient to the Word of God, our salvation will work. It will do things. It will produce things. God did not intend salvation to just be a state of mind or a thought process or a mystical or ethereal feeling that we can have. Salvation is real. It ought to change the way we behave. Could we say amen to that? Uh, There ought to be things happening in our life because salvation is there. And it says, he's speaking to the individual members of the church here, that they are to work out your own salvation. You know, one of the things that, that we have to stress is you have a personal, individual relationship with God. Isn't it wonderful that God does not take away our individuality? You know, this is one of the great lies of socialism, uh, as it's being bandied about, is because, see, socialism erases individual identities. It erases individual accomplishments and individual failures. And what it does is it demands that every person put forth a hundred percent of their absolute maximum effort, not expecting to receive anything for it. And what is the first thing that goes on? I'm supposed to be working with Joe over here and he's not pulling his fair share. How many of you have had that go on at work this week? Somebody that you're working with 
not doing the work they're supposed to, and you have to pick up the slack, and it's like nobody cares. Now, I want you to understand something here. God does care. The God of the Bible keeps individual records. Amen? And the God of the Bible is working in our individual lives, and He wants that salvation to do something, the natural result of obedience to Christ is that salvation works. Um, let's just finish this and then we'll put an illustration here and hopefully be able to tie in some other verses here. But as we come here, it says, with fear and trembling. That as I allow this salvation to work, there ought to be fear and trembling involved. Um, Now, I can't remember where I was, but I just met someone who who identified themselves as uh, growing up in the Society of Friends, or the Quakers. And uh, The reason they have that name is because they took this verse so literally that they would sit in the seat and quake. Literally, that's where the name Quakers came from, as they contemplated the holiness and the goodness of God. The only problem is that may have been very true for the original Quakers, And true for certain members, but for everyone to conform to that behavioral pattern meant that there were a good deal of fakers involved. Now, wouldn't you agree with me on that? And how many of you have ever seen shaker furniture advertised? The shakers were very much like the Quakers. I I can't make this up. They didn't quake. They shook. And so, uh, obviously, they build fine furniture, but uh, their, their choosing of their outward display of their faith was to shake uh, rather than quake. I, I'm not quite sure how you would work that out. Uh, uh, but do you think that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about here? No, no, it was not. But how many of you have ever been faced with a very tedious or very uh, difficult task? You knew exactly what to do. And because you knew what to do, you immediately slowed everything down and was very careful and meticulous as you go through each step to make this process come to fruition. Do you identify with that? I mean, if we need to, we'll go back here. We're going to, and we're going to come through here and, and try to illustrate this here. But the idea here is understanding that it is God that is doing the work and I can mess up God's work. Uh, I need to have some extreme concern and carefulness 
uh, I need to let that concern in my heart and in my mind govern the movement of my hands. Now, uh, if you ever, I, I've never had to do this. I'm just imagining. I mean, I've seen it happen on TV, and of course it's all fake. When they disarm a bomb, but the guy is always uh, shaking and all of that kind of stuff. Even if you know what you're doing, you're going to do it very, very carefully. Amen? Now, we're dealing with faith. We're dealing with the work of Almighty God. Should we not exercise some carefulness? Should we not... Uh, allow this this thought process of being afraid of failing. Uh, I remember watching the electrician. He said, every so many years you need to do this. Well, I haven't done it yet. Uh, but he went in on the mains while they were hot with a special wrench and tightened down the lugs. Because if those things loosen up, It'll start sparking, generate some heat, and it can actually one of the reasons why uh, buildings burn down and fires erupt when they say electrical fire. Many many times it's because those uh, main lugs have loosened up or uh, uh, the old aluminum wire would get very hot and it would melt and it would leave room in there. And if you didn't continually crank that thing down it would actually generate a fire. And I remember watching that electrician doing that. And he's just, I mean, you could see his hand shaking just a little bit. And he's turning that thing as tight as he can, cranking it in there. And uh, he's telling me, following all the rules. And I'll tell you what, when you're dealing with 400 amps of 208 power, you want to have an attitude of fear and trembling. Amen? Uh, are we more together now than we were a minute ago? Okay, good. And, and so, then we get to verse 13, and we're working through this. It says, It is God which worketh in you. Now, how did you get saved? God did the saving, did He not? Jesus Christ offered Himself in my place through the eternal Spirit to pay the price for my sins and for whosoever will believe on the Lord. Amen? So it is God which worketh in you. Now here's what it says here. Both to will and to do of His good pleasure. How many of you have ever done the right thing because you had to, not because you wanted to? Oh, we've all been there, hopefully. Uh, Hopefully we would not be as the pagans are, and I don't feel like doing it, so I'm just not going to do it. Uh, Hopefully we do the right things, but here it says that God is working in us both to will and to do. Uh, I don't know, years ago I just came up with the phrase, if you don't like that, you need to get your liker fixed. And, and uh, this is what the Apostle Paul is speaking of here. We have to let the work of God in our life. He will make you want 
to do the things of God. And then he'll give you the power to do the things of God. Uh, If you've ever been through the discipleship, one of the later lessons, we spend a little bit of time. It's more important who you are than it is what you do. You must let God change you from the inside and then you will do the right things for the right reasons. It is God that worketh in you, which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Then verse 14 tells us that we're to do things without murmuring and disputings. That that we're not supposed to be concerned uh, and trying to straighten everybody else out, but we need to be concerned about our salvation doing the work that it is supposed to do. Now, now, what we've done here is we've just gone through and walked through these verses trying to get a, a basic understanding here. And, and then what I want to do is try to illustrate this a little further and then uh, add some other passages which should shed some light on here and give us uh, a better understanding. But as, as I was contemplating this message, I said, man, I've got the perfect illustration. Happened at Brother Marshall's house. Just as the moving truck pulls up, uh, 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 the, um, uh, the man's driving the truck and his wife brings up a pickup truck. And, 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 uh, and I, I'm talking to Brother Marshall, talking to Dad about getting the last uh, load of junk to the transfer station. That's where you... Uh, just get rid of the trash there in West Virginia. And uh, the guy said, here, take my truck. And I, wow, nice new Ford truck, big wheels, all of that. And, and so I punch in the transfer station on my wonderful, uh, I, I'd almost spit on it because uh, it sent me in a, down a road that's not a road. I mean, it started out being a road. And it looked like it was a road for the first, uh, what, Philip, where's Philip at? Probably about two miles, two and a half miles. And I had him checking on there. And all of a sudden, the gravel disappeared and it became just mud, but it was kind of flat. And then all of a sudden, the mud disappeared. And, and I mean, it was just this big puddle. And I went, okay, here we go. Boom, 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 boom. And through the first one. And then there was a bigger one. And right down to the body. Stuck. I mean, and this is somebody else's truck, and he told me to take care of it. And and I was trying to find... And the GPS told me I only had three-tenths of a mile to go. And I mean, the, the mud is only this far from the body of the vehicle. The wheels are just right down in there. And I'm going... Uh, I can't believe this truck. It just, it's worse than your church van. It doesn't go, I, I wish this thing were four-wheel drive. If only it were four-wheel drive and didn't know what to do. Sat there about ten minutes and finally said, Hey, we passed those loggers about a mile back. Philip, would you run back there and see if they'll come down and pull us out of this hole? And uh, so Philip dutifully takes off back down the road 
And uh, Jason and I are sitting there, and we go back to look at this and try to figure this out and put some sticks in the mud and see if it'll pull up onto the sticks and just sitting there going, this is crazy. About 15 minutes later, I just sit in the truck and, Lord, why can't this thing be four-wheel drive? Because I'd looked for the shifter and all of those things, and there was this little knob right there on the dash by the light switch. And I looked at it a little closer, and it had two WD, and then four WD, and then four WDL. That means low gear for when you're stuck. I'm going, thank you, Lord. And so I start moving that handle, and then I get this funny little message, please put the shift selector in neutral so that the trans... Mission can shift into four-wheel drive. Okay, well, follow the direction. So I did there, and all of a sudden I hear some clicking and moving. And I tell Jason, I said, now you pray. I said, this, this ought to work. And I'll tell you what, there was fear and trembling as I shifted that way down and just started putting a little, and, and it started moving a little bit, and all of a sudden the truck just turned sideways. And so I kept spinning the wheel back and forth, and it pulled us right up out of the mud. And I said, wow. You know what I did? When I finally figured out what the truck was capable of doing, I let the truck work, and it pulled me out of the mud. I thought, you know, how many of us, as believers in Christ, Know that Jesus is the answer. But we're not paying attention to the shift lever where it is. Because i never, I never been in a vehicle like that. Why do you put it on the side? Uh, I'd seen other four-wheel drives where it, it was an automatic transmission. But right there in the middle of the floor, it had a shifter so that you could uh, put it into four-wheel drive. I'd never seen it. Everything was automatic. It was really pretty cool. And uh, the, the point being, and the illustration that I want us to grab a hold of tonight is this. What we're trying to do is obey the Lord. And you shouldn't only be trying to obey the Lord when someone, pastor, assistant pastor, uh, the boss at work, someone's looking over your shoulders. You should be trying to serve the Lord 24-7. Because God is a 24-7 God. Amen? And as Paul is giving instruction to the Philippians here, and you will remember as we went through the book of Philippians that Paul did not have strong condemnation anywhere in the book for the Philippian people. He was encouraging them in their service for the Lord and, and, and commending them for what was going on. But he's telling them here, listen, not only when I'm there, but all the time, you must work out your salvation, your own salvation. You can't work out someone else's salvation. This is your relationship with God. And that needs to be approached with a spirit of 
carefulness. We need to understand the power of God is there. Amen? There's nothing God cannot do. But I will tell you this. Once I shifted down into low and started pulling up out of that mud and it started actually moving instead of just sitting there spinning, uh, I'm, I'm rejoicing, but I'm, I'll tell you what, I was... I tensed up and I was very careful and I wanted to make sure that I did everything just right to get us up out of that mud hole. And then the worst thing was I had to find a path, a, a, a place in that path where I could turn the truck around. It was not a three-point turn. It was about a 13-point turn as, as you just edged it forward and edged it back until, until you got that thing turned around. And then I had to drive back through it again. You know what? It was a whole lot easier the second time than it was the first time. Because I kind of knew what to expect. And what I'm simply saying here is that I was still very careful. But what should our, how should our salvation work? Would you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, a verse that we quote often around here but is nonetheless extremely important, something that we often overlook. The children of Israel were in the same situation here as the Philippians, even worse, really. Nehemiah had showed up and they had just begun the process of rebuilding the walls and they were celebrating uh, the fact that uh, the walls were basically together here and, and uh, they were reading the Word of God. And uh, verse 9 in Nehemiah, which is the Tishathra and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites taught the people, said unto all the people, Nehemiah 8, verse 9, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is your salvation working? If it is, it ought to be producing some joy. I mean, later in the book of Philippians, he's going to tell them to be careful for nothing, but everything in prayer and thanksgiving. Make your request be known unto God. Uh, we serve a God who is capable of doing anything. And many times... He chooses to do something that we might not like. But can we not find our joy in the character and the goodness of God? Now I want us to turn to one more passage. Romans chapter 8, if you would. Romans chapter 8.
and we read down through Romans 8 and we do not have time to plumb the, uh, the depths, let alone even scratch the surface of this, but we want to just start reading in verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Here's what Paul's telling the Romans. God has already sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins. What more if God, could God give? If God was willing to send Jesus, what wouldn't he be willing to give you? We need to remember this. Because sometimes we just feel like maybe God isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that is never the case. It is always we who are not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Remember, prayer does not change God. Prayer does not enable God. Every time I, I think about I think about that foolish book someone gave me a few years ago. Uh, uh, the guy's name was Peretti. Uh, it was a, supposed to be a Christian novel. Uh, well, it wasn't a Christian novel. It was really a Buddhist novel because the God of that book could not do anything until he was empowered by the prayers of his people. That's not the God of the Bible. God does not need our prayers to act. But what our prayers do is they affect us and move us from being an impediment, a blockage to the way that God wants to work, it gets us out of the way so that our salvation that God has given us can work. I mean, I go back to being stuck in the mud. There was an incredible impediment to getting out of the mud. I mean, I, I sat there for 20 minutes just looking around in the dash before I saw the little knob. I hate to admit that. I used to be a mechanic. I'm supposed to know all these. And, well, they didn't have these fancy things back when I was doing that kind of work. But I'll tell you what, I am sure glad I found that little knob. And it got me out of a hole. And here's the problem. It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, 
In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What, what I just wanted to do tonight in our time together is help us understand something. God wants to use each of us who are saved in this room. He wants to use us in His service. Those that are saved and members of this church, God wants to use us collectively as the body of Christ to serve Christ here in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to see a few more things happening at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. People being saved, added to the church. Uh, we desperately are in need of people to be saved and added to the church. Union, Morris Park, community. I mean, that is what must happen. Amen? And if we're not careful, we'll get discouraged. Now, the Bible says that we have to let the mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. We need to be obedient. You know how we can be obedient? Spending time in this book. Spending time in prayer to God. Honest, heartfelt prayer. Amen. Being in church tonight is being obedient. Being on visitation. Planning on staying Sunday. And... Going out and we'll just see what the Lord will do. I mean, if it's just pouring cats and dogs, though I don't think I've ever seen that happen. I, I did see a catfish swimming in the parking lot in Florida one time, literally. Uh, that was kind of scary. But uh, the truth of the matter is we, we will trust the weather to God and we'll be faithful with what He gives us. We need to let our salvation work. Because it's God that's doing the work. He's already given us His Son. What else won't He give us that we need to serve Him? And we stop and think about the history of our church. God gave us every dollar we needed to pay for this building. And then allowed our church to put all that money again back into missions. Those are some incredible miracles. Amen? Uh, how about all the miracles that it's taken to get union just to the point to where we can hold services in the building again? Union Baptist Church, before we came along, had not held services on its own in 25 years. Now, they're holding services Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You know what? That's salvation working. But we need to be careful. We can hinder that process. Because it is God that is doing the work. The joy of the Lord. Instead of worrying about the things that haven't happened, let's be thankful that we can never be separated from the love of Christ. And if you've ever been a parent, 
you'll know that true love doesn't always feel like true love. Because when you have to look down into that darling little face and punish them, we're not talking about abuse. We're talking about simple punishment. You've got to make the pain worse than the gain. Amen? Otherwise, they're just going to do it over again. And so, uh, what we're talking about here is sometimes the Lord has to put us through some difficulties. There are other times He puts us through great difficulties. Read the book of Job. For no other reason than to say, look what God did, how He brought Job through all of that suffering. John chapter 9, we've already alluded there tonight. The man was born blind. Why? So that the works of God could be manifest in him. He was blind his whole life until he met Jesus. That was not easy. He was a beggar up until that point. He was a grown man. He had spent his whole life. Someone might say wasted. Well, it wasn't wasted because he was where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there, and Jesus was glorified in him. Sometimes he asks us to suffer. Can I still have joy while I'm suffering? Yes, I can, if I'll let my salvation work. If I'll be careful to understand that it's God doing the work, I don't want to mess it up. With someone else that owned the truck. I didn't want to mess it up. In fact, I offered to wash it for him, take, give him money to take it to the car. He said, oh, my truck gets dirty worse than that all the time. I'm sitting there going, praise the Lord. I love that attitude. And uh, the simple truth is, it never amazes God when he does a miracle. He's always saying, Thank you for stepping out of the way so I can work. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you.